Winston Churchill once said that success is never final and failure is never fatal. It's courage that counts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I want you to imagine for a moment a blossoming relationship between a young man and a young woman. As their relationship begins, they're curious about sharing too much of their hearts until they get to know one another better. But as time goes on, they enjoy each other's company and they begin to reveal more of themselves to each other. Uh, they may even begin to look to the future, dreaming about what it might be like to spend their rest of their life together. Up to this point, their future has been a matter of conversation and very little imagination, but if the relationship's gonna last, there comes that time when they have to ponder the deeper commitment to one another. Do I really wanna give myself to this person? You know, the words, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, as long as we both shall live. Well, that's kind of an analogy to what's happening here in the first chapter of Joshua. In these first few verses of Joshua, it allows us to eavesdrop on a conversation between God and this newly appointed leader. A movement of God begins with a person who is willing to listen to the purposes of the sovereign God for his people. Up to this point, everything's just been communicated uh, between God and Joshua, but that's about to change. And soon Joshua will go public and announce God's vision for the days ahead. And he begins to challenge other leaders and prepare the people to move into the promised land. Now it's time for a gut check an internal test to be certain that Joshua has the commitment to pursue the vision for better, for worse, for richer, poor, all of that. Is the vision of God that he has received simply a good idea? Or will he obey God every step of the way until that vision becomes a reality? Now in the days that lie ahead, there's gonna be few tangible rewards for this new leader. The only thing that will keep the vision alive from the human perspective is the leader's faith and commitment. Getting this movement off the ground is gonna require his constant attention to problems not previously encountered. In a word, it's gonna require courage. And that's exactly what God addresses in Joshua chapter one, verses six through nine. First of all, he addresses courage for influence. Look at verse six, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. You see, up until this time, Joshua has been Moses' assistant, his aide. But now he's the point person in this new and fresh movement of God. Typically, we don't need great courage to be influenced by others. But we must be strong and courageous if we want to influence other people or assume a leadership role. God knows that if Joshua provides lukewarm leadership, this movement is not going to make it to the promised land. And there are many good ideas, there are many good dreams, there are many people who hear God's whisper uh, in, uh, of God's intention in their life, but without a passionate investment of energy and influence, they're never going to conquer new territory. I am convinced that spiritual leaders and churches 
that are, that are growing aren't necessarily more creative than those who, that aren't growing. And they may not even be more spiritual. So what's the difference? I think it's the courage to act upon what God has shown them, to be an influence rather than a simply respond to the random requests of those around us. That courage is seen in several uh, layers and areas of the church's ministry. It's seen in a church's paid staff who prayerfully seek God's priorities for ministry and who are not deterred from acting on those priorities by distracting demands. It's seen in members of the church's leadership team that envision the ministry uh, God has for their church and make that ministry the centerpiece of their agenda rather than dwelling on a disgruntled member and the latest problem with the building. It courage is seen in a church that does not allow its ministry to degenerate into responding only to the concerns of those within its walls, but seeks to permeate the surrounding community with the good news of Jesus Christ. God looks into Joshua's heart, and he's looking for that kind of courage, but he's looking into your heart and mine today as well. What if, in a moment of excitement, Joshua shares with the people God's vision for them, but in a few days begins to waver in that commitment? Commitment, you see, climbs when people see consistent passion in a leader. Commitment is contagious. But if the rigorous demands that accompany the launching of, of a new movement of God discourage a leader early on, they're going to lose their credibility with the people. More importantly, the people will conclude that the vision God revealed was just another good idea that has no lasting impact. You see, because leaders must be able to perceive the new thing that God is doing. And leaders must be able to see the new territory that God wants them to conquer. And leaders must be able to courageously act upon what God is showing them. Others will be warmed as they get close to the fire that burns within a leader's heart. Maximum influence begins with the level of one's own commitment. Can you picture me only occasionally mentioning that the Bible has some good ideas in it that you ought to consider giving uh, your life to? John Maxwell reminds us that everything rises and falls with leadership. Leaders invest their credibility every day to fulfill their God-given purpose. Now, our circle of influence here at Redeemer might be smaller than some of that have great national leadership, but the courage that God requires is the same for every leader. Joshua had built up a certain amount of credibility with these Israelites. He had previously seen the land that they were about to enter. He was one of 12 spies that went into the land, and he and Caleb came back with a good report after spying out the land. They believed that they could conquer it, and the other 10 doubted. Joshua had worked with the spiritual giant Moses for as long as anyone could remember, and now the torch of leadership had been passed to him. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, we read, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. See, he was chosen as the successor to leadership, commissioned by Moses to lead the people where Moses could not. Now Joshua had to make a choice. Would he selfishly hoard his credibility and simply enjoy the perks of this new place of leadership? 
Or would he courageously invest that credibility to see that God's will was done? Here's a lesson about leadership. Any credibility that you accumulate because of some past accomplishments or faithfulness needs to be courageously offered to God. We are to exercise the stewardship of our credibility just as we are to exercise good stewardship of our time or our money. Because to hoard credibility or to foolishly use it is to squander a God-given resource or to invest it so that others might be influenced to obey God. There's a direct relationship between internal strength and external influence, and that's obvious in churches. If a church is spiritually anemic or riddled with internal conflict, its ability to influence the community or even its own children or youth is going to be minimal. But if a church is spiritually vibrant and unified, that vision is going to be contagious. The relationship between internal strength and external leadership is going to be found in individual leaders. If personal insecurities cause leaders to selfishly pursue their own agendas, their circle of influence will always diminish. If they courageously invest their credibility in the future plans of God, their lives are going to result in eternal consequences. I've come to believe that if we have courage, we will influence people based on our convictions. If we lack courage, we're going to influence people based on our comfort. Because courage will take us where anywhere we believe God is leading us. Without courage, we'll only go where it's comfortable. So here's the question. Will your leadership commitment be based on your convictions or your comfort? Do you protect your own turf as a leader? Or do you empower others? Can you take constructive criticism? Or do you avoid taking an honest look at yourself? Are you willing to risk failure? Or do you want to always be safe and comfortable? Are you willing to stretch your mind with new thoughts and build new skills? Or do you opt out for what's familiar and easy? Do you associate with people who will challenge you? Or only people who will go along with you? All of us occasionally answer those questions positively, but often we all retreat into our comfort zones because we feel threatened or overwhelmed. So when we find that choosing comfort over conviction is becoming a pattern for our life, it's time for a gut check. Over the years, this church has experienced some significant growth. In that time, I've discovered some things about a growing church. A growing church always requires more money. A growing church always has a need for additional staffing. A growing church, there's, there's always a demand for more space, more technology, more programs, more ministries, just to keep up. And I've also made peace with the fact that part of my job is to keep you informed about the church's needs and find ways to teach a biblical understanding about things, especially like money. Because in a growing church, there's always going to be a need for more finances. But asking for money is one of those areas that has a high cringe factor in almost every congregation. It's like fingernails on the chalkboard, you know? The discussion of financial need is not exactly music to most people's ears. So the higher the cringe factor, the greater the need for credibility by the leader. 
Sometimes it has to be done. Asking for volunteers is another one of those, you know, cringe factor moments. Because some people just don't want to be asked to give of their time and their energy. All of us who find ourselves in a leadership role have to decide whether we will lead from our comfort zone or lead based on our convictions. Now, secondly, God um, uh, addresses Joshua about courage for obedience. Once again, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. It's in verse 7. This time, it's not the courage to influence other people, but the courage to carefully obey God's word. Meditating on it and doing everything in it are the pathways, God says, to success and prosperity. A spiritual leader must be capable of receiving truth from God and then comprehending biblical truth and living it out is the basis of spiritual authority. Stephen Covey, who's the author of a widely read book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says in there that the demands of, uh, talks about the demands of leadership in a changing world. And he says he's convinced that the ability to go through the change process or make the necessary changes comes from having a changeless core. That core within us that's nurtured through the values and the principles that remain cons is what remains consistent even when the winds of change around us are blowing. And for Christians, those values and principles are revealed to us in the Word of God, in the Bible. The Bible's lasting truths become embedded in our hearts in two ways. First, through meditation. We are challenged to meditate on God's Word day and night. There's no substitute for the reading and studying of Scripture. Believers are also to integrate that truth in their daily life through application. Be careful, uh, God says, to do everything written in it. See, the Bible determines how we act and react in a variety of life situations, and a full life is lived from the inside out. And success comes when we obediently pursue God's best. If we want a better marriage, we have to learn to love unselfishly and responsibly, according to Ephesians 5. If we want a better relationship with our children, we have to devote ourselves to learning godly ways of instructing them without exasperating them, Ephesians chapter 6. If we want more freedom, or if we want a promotion at work, we need to serve wholeheartedly and work consistently, no matter who's present or absent, for, again, according to Ephesians 6. You see, how we act toward our spouse should not be based on how they act toward us. How we treat our children is not determined by how they treat us. Our day's work is not regulated by how the boss treats us or by what other employees are doing. And in the same way, we must be careful to do everything that's written in God's Word. Keeping ourselves in the Word of God and applying it to our daily life is what brings about internal transformation. Living Inside out means allowing God to change us and not excusing our behavior when God's working on the other people in our lives. God said to Joshua, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. We call this focused obedience. Don't follow other gods. Don't follow what seems right in your own eyes. Hold fast to the hope that you profess. For the one who made all those promises to us is faithful, and he'll keep those promises. 
So what are the keys to that kind of obedience? Well, we all know that every one of us are subject to failing miserably. And neglecting time with God in prayer and Bible study, along with a lack of close relationships and accountability, are open doors to moral failure. Like Joshua, God wants us to be courageously committed, wholeheartedly in obedience to him. And when we are obedient to God, we will develop the character necessary to achieve the victories that God has in store for us. Now, thirdly, God addresses Joshua with talking about courage for perseverance. This is my command, verse 9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is a call for courage that pursues the purposes of God over the long haul. This perseverance can be undermined by two very powerful emotions in us, fear and discouragement. So what are some of the most common fears experienced by leaders? One big one is fear of failure. This one especially haunts those of us who have perfectionist tendencies. I remind our staff once in a while that we expect failure from time to time. Not everything we try is going to work. And sometimes things we didn't think work very well turn out to be some of the best things we do. Failure is not a bad thing. Failing to try is. It takes courage to try. So fear of failure, fear of the unknown. We've never done it that way before. Can be a reaction based on fear. What's comfortable is always less intimidating. And then fear of a new level of commitment. Leadership in a new movement of God, committed to taking new territory, is going to involve some steps of personal growth. And it's hard to make the necessary changes that allow us to be continually available for what God wants us to do without being deeply committed. I've discovered that every time God wants to do something new through me, he usually begins by doing something new in me and opening some new doors in my life. And that was true for Joshua. It would take courage for Joshua to fight some of the battles that were coming up both inside of himself and in the territory that God was giving them. But God assures Joshua that he needs not be terrified. God will be with him every step of the way. And then he says to him, don't be discouraged. You see, discouragement means to be drained of our courage, like when the circumstances of our life or the criticism of other people leave us empty. It creates burnout. It creates a dry spirit. It saps our intestinal fortitude, and we don't want to take those next steps. Discouragement can also cause us to be insensitive to people and to the circumstances around us. But what a blessing when we overcome discouragement with a heart that is submitted to God and full of courage. Humility is not the opposite of courage. Humility is a prerequisite to courage. There is a myth that says that if God's in a particular thing, it's always going to be easy, natural, and quickly, you know, happen. That's not true. It usually takes great courage to persevere in the plans that God has for us. Even people and churches who are pursuing God's will have problems that will require tremendous courage and endurance. We don't get to choose whether or not we have problems in life. We can only choose whether those problems that we encounter will be ones that, that, uh, that we take and are accompanied by obedience to God or disobedience. 
And I'm convinced that what many Christians don't have is a theology of suffering. Many of us falsely assume that if I'm doing God's will, if God is blessing my life, then it's always going to be health and wealth. And people with courage ask, if I'm doing God's will and experiencing pain and poverty, um, will I still do what God wants me to do? You see, that's the bridge that Jesus had to cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the commitment that Paul wrestled with as he sat in prison doing the will of God. But that takes courage. Early on in our Christian walk, we always have a desire to please God. And everything about faith is new and expectations are high. And then we usually run into some tough times when we're tempted to just quit, to give it up. Reality begins to set in. Problems emerge. And this is, there's almost this irresistible urge to exit our relationship with God. But if we can simply move through that and get to the other place where we're ready to move on and grow, that's where spiritual maturity takes place and courage to persevere is evident. One of the greatest gifts we can give each other, I think, is the gift of encouragement. To support each other in our relationship with God. You see, our greatest encouragement comes not from other people, but from God himself. Other people can't provide what we get from our being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, from Bible study, from prayer. Because it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth that has promised to guide us into all truth and teach us what courage is all about. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the credibility and the leadership that you've entrusted to this congregation. Since we have a limited supply, help us to invest it wisely, courageously, always. Grant us the courage to not only see your vision, but commit to doing our part in making it a reality in this community, even if it involves uh, times of pain and suffering and and. Uh, God, we, we just, our desire is to consistently follow your path, not veering to the right or to the left. So empower us today to stay the course on what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray.